I'm excited and, and happy to, uh, not the fact that I'm not preaching today, but that you get to hear from somebody else. Um, so Pastor Sean's going to come in a minute and, and just speak with us, but I just, I, I want to say I'm very grateful for this man, uh, his, his friendship, his partnership in ministry. He does so much around here to, to contribute to the life of the church and to make things move forward, and we work really well together. And, um, you know, not only do we work well together uh, academically, theologically, he pushes me to get better. And I, I think that's a great partnership, so um, I'm just happy that he's bringing the word today. Thanks, Pastor Sean. Testing, testing. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Steve. I, I wasn't expecting that. Uh, appreciate the encouragement. Um, and it's wonderful to, to be here and to, to serve with you all. And it's honor the Lord. Amen? Amen. Um, well, to start off, uh, just in case that there's people at home that, you know, have an eye for detail, that uh, have an eye for tradition. Uh, we are not going by tradition. Normally, the third week of Advent, you would have uh, just the one pink uh, candle representing joy. But uh, as, as Isaiah pointed out, we're remixing it a little bit, uh, Advent, and this week we are talking about peace. So just know that uh, this is still intentional. This wasn't an accident. We didn't just look at a blog and see what the candle should be and get it wrong. Uh, it's intentional, but, but please uh, bear with us. Um, before we go in, let's, let's pray this morning. Dearly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for the ability to, to gather together and worship. We thank you uh, for the reason for this season being your son and that before we even thought of you, you chose us and you gift-wrapped peace on earth with our name on it. Lord, we ask that uh, during the season that we would be able to recognize you a little bit more clearly and celebrate a little bit even more loudly, Lord, and we ask that today you would give us the ears to hear and the ability to carry out whatever it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, Jeremiah, just to let you know, I'm also having a little bit of uh, difficulty, so you might have to help me out. We're going to be in uh, Luke chapter 2 today, and we're talking again about peace on earth. And we're going to start right here in verse 1. It's written, in those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first generation took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David. And he was to be registered along with Mary who was engaged to him and was pregnant. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in a cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the field and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. In the same region, shepherds were, laying, were staying out in the fields and keeping watch. Now, this is, uh, 
there's a lot of things that are happening here, and uh, there's a, we, could, we could stay on this, uh, just this scene, this episode of peace and the angels coming down uh, to the shepherds. There's so much going on in there, but I hope just to, that we can glean just a few important details that can help us carry out uh, our calling of being a light into the world a little bit better. And the first thing that I'd like to point out is that there is a, a reality, a contrast of the varying uh, statuses uh, right here in the very beginning. See, uh, I think we're first going to start off with uh, the shepherds. Okay, the shepherds, uh, this was not a sought-after position. Now, we've heard, probably heard it before, but nobody's going to apply to be a shepherd. Okay, it was one of those things under classes, and if you were born into it, you were born into it. There wasn't a whole lot that you could do about it. And uh, an interesting tidbit on the shepherd and how lowly it really was is uh, it's been recorded or documented and researched that the wage that a shepherd normally made uh, wasn't, wasn't normally initially enough for them and their family. Normally, if they had their own sheep uh, to look after, if they had one other person's sheep that they were getting paid for to look after, that wasn't enough to supplement their income, so they had to look over multiple flocks of Sheep, and that just should give us an idea of that's like the equivalent of uh, minimum, 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 minimum wage and having to get multiple jobs. These people were not, uh, this was not something you graduated for. You weren't, you weren't coming home with a PhD so excited that you were going to now be a shepherd, okay? And in the very beginning, uh, the, the contrast comes in the elite, and the first person of the elite uh, we have here is Caesar Augustus. Now, Caesar Augustus, we know some things about uh, this particular guy. Uh, his, his given name was Gaius Octavius. Uh, his mother was the niece of the great Julius Caesar. Okay, so just keep in mind the, the status that he's already being born into. And not only was uh, he related to Julius Caesar, but Julius Caesar, in effect, adopted him as one of his own sons. He had two other sons, but adopted him as one of his own sons, which means he was also an heir to everything that Julius Caesar would pass on uh, after his death. So when we talk about elite, we're talking about like top of the top of the top is the opening of Luke chapter 2, and then we get into the shepherds, which we know is our highlight, but they're at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. And this particular uh, Caesar Augustus, was, uh, not Caesar Augustus, uh, Caesar, no, Caesar Augustus, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Uh, this Caesar Augustus, he, was, he played a really big role. Some people attribute him to be the first actual emperor of Rome. But the reason why this guy was such a big deal is not just his family line status, but he initiated what was called the Pax Romana. Okay, we've talked about it. It was a little bit in the video, this Roman peace. He ushered in a countrywide peace status for everybody that had not been initiated before. Now, there's some, some details where he really uh, got rid of pirates that were around in the day, but regardless of, of what was done, the result was there was peace in a place where there was never peace before. And this is the physical peace. This is the, uh, this is the lack of conflict uh, peace that was mentioned uh, in the video. And, and that means he probably, he was really important. Okay, so opening of Luke 2, opening of the story that Luke records of, of uh, Jesus being born and the proclamation that was made, uh, we have the top of the top. You can't really get any more um, perfect than that in terms of an elite status. But then as we know, the heroes later on are going to be these shepherds, which are on the complete other 
end of the spectrum. And the reason why this is important is because you would think somebody like Caesar Augustus, somebody with all the power, all the money, the bloodline, somebody that was able to usher in physical peace when nobody else was able to do this the way he was able to do this, he would be a perfect candidate to be in the know, you would think. For someone that was able to physically bring peace, when God is going to bring spiritual and eternal peace to the world, you would think he would be a perfect candidate to know what was happening and even maybe, in, maybe even ushering it to other people. But as we know how the story goes, the angels were not sent to the elite. Now, this might be confusing. Why would we go? I mean, even, even talking about it, even researching and studying, even that I did, it's super hard to put yourself into the mind frame of actually understanding how low these shepherds were um, in terms of status. I mean, it, it, for us, if you go home with animal doo-doo on your shoes, you're probably not at the top. And that's what these guys were. This is what they did. But the angels came to them and not the elite. And we read in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, Paul writes, Brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, and not many powerful, not many of noble birth, but instead God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is weak in the world to shame the strong. And God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world what is viewed as nothing to bring nothing to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one may boast in his presence the peace that's being proclaimed was unlike anything that was expected and familiar and it was coming to the most unlikely of people and i think this is because god moves outside of our expectations to reveal his biggest glory okay he didn't go to the elite. He didn't go to the, the, the top of the top, the people that you would expect. He came to nobody. Now let's talk real quick about where this happened, okay? This didn't happen in church. This didn't happen where you would expect God to talk to somebody and for something so, so magnificent to be proclaimed. This didn't happen there. And as we know from, from Jewish history, from biblical history, church history, the temple was where God did stuff. The temple was where people would go meet with God. And even in that, there were different courts, and then only the select could go further and further. And then even the really, the, the inner court, the very center of it, there were only a few select kind of people that were even allowed in there. But that's where, if you were to say, hey, where do I go to meet with God? You would go to the temple. Today, many people would say, where would you go to meet with God? You say, you go to church. But this didn't happen where you would expect God to do something. And this is important. There's an idea. There's a Latin term called axis mundi. Okay? And this term, it basically uh, means something that we even sang this morning. It's where heaven and earth come to meet. Okay? You can see this you know, in scripture. You see this uh, in extra biblical content. You see this in mythology. The places where heaven and earth come together is known as the axis mundi. And categorically, this is, would be the temple. Even again, now we relate that to the church. And, and like I said, in this song we just sang, uh, here in your presence, we just sang, here in your presence, heaven and earth become one. That is this axis mundi. That is a rare occasion. That is where the divine and the earthly come together 
and it's absolutely amazing. And this happened out in the middle of nowhere. You would expect something really nice, you know, a place where you would be, be prepped and ushered in, and it would, you want things, some people want things nice and all tied up in a little bow, but this happened absolutely in the middle of nowhere. So in scriptures where the Lord would come down, and this is, again, pre-cross, this is pre-Pentecost, it would normally be the temple, but we find it out in the middle of nowhere. And at a time where God, ex- we were, people expected God to be in a certain place, he completely went to the other end. And both to the ungodly, those that don't know God, and both to those that know God, so in this case the, the Jews, the, the Israel, the chosen people, this would be offensive to everybody. Okay, that God decided he was going to go outside of his norm and do it. Not only, not only come to a people that aren't worthy in our opinion, but he went to a place that was unworthy in our opinion. And this is a bit, so to, to try to relate it, it'd be like, you know, uh, any, any uh, parent uh, that has a daughter or, or a bride-to-be looking forward to that wedding day, you know, putting on the nicest gown, just really anticipating this day, doing all the planning, having all the notebooks and scrapbooks and, you know, the wedding planners and all that stuff. You're anticipating a wonderful, like, massive, like, people want to get married in the plaza, people want to go to Hawaii, people want to go to Cape Cod. And this wedding takes place in the back room of a butcher warehouse. Like, it just, it's completely offensive for God to operate in this way, and yet that's exactly what we find God doing. Hmm. Uh, Dr. Joel uh, Green um, from uh, Fuller Theological Seminary has these words to, to remark on, on the timing, the place, and the location that Luke uh, puts us on notice here that the new world coming is of a radically different shape than the former one, that questions of holiness and purity must be asked and addressed in a different way, and that the status and issues of values must be re-examined afresh. And what this is saying is God the Father not sending the angels to the elite, the people you would expect, not even sending them to Jesus' other relatives. There are plenty of other candidates I think that would be more acceptable uh, than these shepherds. Instead of going to them, or even honored members, the religious leaders, none of the priests. He didn't go to any of the priests. This was intentional. And this is intentional. We know salvation, this peace, this shalom, was not going to be limited by our ideas, our preferences, our personalities, or our expectations. Because I tell you, if God operated in those things, in our preferences, and our expectations, this world would look a lot different. Amen? Thank you, Lord, for not limiting yourself to what I think it should be. And we see this as depicting, you know, what Jesus would do further down the line at the cross, that salvation being made to everybody, that Christ's blood on his sacrifice would be made available, but not just to the Jew, but also to the Greek. So this is kind of the precursor to that and foreshadowing of the reality of God coming to everybody. All right, let's keep going. Luke chapter 2, let's start at verse 10. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid. Now, angels are eternal beings, right? They've been around for a little while. Anybody else think that they're just sick of saying don't be afraid? 
Like, that's how you have to say that every single time you come to anybody. And I like to, you know, sometimes I just like to imagine these things and play out my own versions of cartoons. And, and I'd like to think that at some point angels go to God saying, God, can, we, can, can you give us a different costume? Can we, do so? can we look a little more normal? Because I'm tired of telling people to be afraid. And God's like, nah, it's more fun this way. But these angels always have to tell them, don't be afraid. That was for free people. I proclaim to you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. And today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. Now there's a, there's a very important word here that I want to look into really quick. It's, it's where it says, I proclaim to you good news, great joy that will be for all people. Now some people like to pick this apart that no, all people means all people just in that time. All people in Bethlehem, all people in Israel, all people just in the Bible, all people back then, or, or all this, that, and the other thing. So I felt it was necessary to do a little bit of study. This word for all, for, for every, each, in the Greek is called pas, and, and the, the form that it's in here is panti. And that specific word, that form of pas, panti, is in the Bible a total of 40, 58 times altogether. Okay? In the New Testament, it's used 34 times. Okay, so I'm just not making this up. Other people have done studies on this, but that, that many times it's in there, this specific word, this specific way it's been put in there, 34 times in the New Testament. And for example, well, just to give a little bit of context, in Matthew 25, uh, 29, he says, for everyone, to everyone who has more will be given. We see it in, in Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, it says, May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. So the benefit of knowing the Greek ponte and the benefit of knowing, uh, Pastor Steve will appreciate this, he's taking Greek right now, it's in the dative singular masculine. Now for those of you like me who hate English and grammar, I just lost you, but track with me for a second. Dative singular masculine. You want to know what that means? Every, all, each, everything, all-encompassing. The Greek supports that the word just says what the word means. Great joy, great news of great joy that will be for all people, okay? And again, God is operating outside of your preferences, outside of my expectations, outside of my personality. And this good news is being proclaimed specifically and tailored to be available for all. And I say this because we live in a world, I don't know if the world has ever not been this way, I don't think so, but we live in a world, even today, especially in New England, where we have preferences. We like to put things in boxes. We, we like to look at somebody and, and we categorize them. But what's being done here, just by this proclamation, is it's discounting anything that you could put that would disqualify anybody, including yourself. This is for all people. This good news of great joy, this peace, this shalom that, that, that bridges everything is for all. So I wonder in your mind right now if you can pop up and think of, and, and, and think of uh, those that you would consider undeserving of this. Maybe yourself is in that category. But this message, this peace is for, even for the shepherds. It's for those that have gotten even divorced. God's peace has come. For those that have multiple kids with multiple people, this peace is still made available to. 
To people that smoke, God's peace is available to you. If you drink at a bar, God's peace is available to you. If you're addicted, God's peace is available to you. If you've been abused, God's peace is available to you. If you are or have been an abuser, look at Paul. God's peace is available to you. Every single wall that we even would like to think is biblical that we put up, God tears down. Thank you, God. Hmm. Even the people that annoy you, his peace is, is made available. How many of you, you, someone just popped in your head. You, <laughs> so this good news of God's peace should excite us. Instead of getting bitter that, oh man, all of these other people are included, you're in that list. And that should excite us, church. And any notion or teaching that actually puts up walls and barriers and say God's peace is not available to this person, that comes from hell. Now Luke reiterates or shows in this timeline, he says today. This fulfillment is happening today. There's no more waiting. Now again, we, we have a tough time relating to the Jews back then because you know, we're kind of all right here in the now. You know, what, what, what's here, I can focus on right here. But they knew their scriptures church. They knew the prophecies. They knew what was coming. Everybody, their whole generations and generations all the way past were anticipating what was happening. And Luke is saying, that is fulfilled right now. There's no more waiting. There's no more crying out. It's here. And that should excite them. And it should excite us. For me, this is how, how I process this. This would be the equivalent in the, in, the, in the anticipation, knowing that this is here, that this was today, that this is now. It'd be like an angel, you know, coming to me and saying, Sean, you know that body you always wanted? You know the one that you dream about having? You wish you had more time to work out? You wish you, you had the discipline to wake up at four in the morning and not eat the rest of the... You, you know that body? The one with the, with the nice 19-pack that no one's ever seen before? the nice swollen chest, the big arms that people look at you and get saved. You know, guy, Sean, that evangelistic body that you've been wanting your entire life. You got it. Bam! Like, uh, if that happened, I would be so happy I would celebrate with pizza and Twinkies. Like, that's exactly what would happen. And in the immediate now, there's no more waiting. And I think I would be excited. And that level of excitement for me in my own mind is what this should lead to in my Christian life. That this peace is available for me, but it's even available to that guy. It's even available to the person that I think is the most unlikely and most unworthy, the more, has the nastiest mouth, that has the dirtiest mind, that has done the worst things, even to him. But that should excite me because they're not excluded and neither am I. Mm. Let's keep reading. Luke uh, 2, let's start at verse 12. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and laying in a manger, and suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and peace on earth to people he favors. Hmm. There's a similar language just to throw in there between 
the angel's saying the people he favors in the way the angel came to Mary and said, woman who God favors. And in case there's any confusion, the fulfillment of promise, the new age, this credible gift of peace, of shalom, is wrapped, and the angels are saying it has your name on it. He says, this will be a sign for you, shepherd. For you, unlikely. For you, undeserving. Jesus is wrapped up with your name on it, people. Spurgeon uh, has, some, has some thoughts uh, and gives a little uh, insight into his thoughts on, on the angels. Because there's, there's, a, there's a difference here. Right here, there's a host of angels. But the question we're going to ask is, what makes this so different than the others? Than the angel that came to Zechariah? Why was just one necessary? The angel that came to Mary, why just one? That was a pretty big deal. Or Joseph, why just one? But then to the shepherds? People that aren't even in Jesus' bloodline? or related in any way, get a, a host, an army? Let's answer that question. But anyway, Spurgeon says that they had heard the heavenly herald's proclamation and hurried down to join them in publishing the glad tidings. They could not bear that only one angel should announce the birth of the Christ. But this announcement, again, what makes it so different? And I think it's so different because it's this all-inclusive Everybody. This is finally the time where God said everybody needs to know this. Not just Zechariah and his wife, not just Mary, not just Joseph. Now, finally, God's where everybody can hear about this. Hmm. And I believe that there was a host rather than an individual angel because this is unfamiliar. This peace that's coming for all mankind has never been experienced before. This child wasn't bringing peace, though. Jesus coming to the world wasn't bringing peace. He didn't put it in his red sack and jump on a sleigh and go house to house to house. Jesus himself is peace. It's not something tacked on to to his nature or the fact that he was a good boy, so he brings peace. He is the complete, full understanding of peace. Hmm. And this was coming to earth, sent from God the Father for you and for me. And again, what was being communicated to these shepherds, it had the implications that would change both humanity and human history and the trajectory of the entire universe, which again, I think, is why all of the angels came down, because at this proclamation, the destiny for the entire universe changed. Not just one person, not just one family, not just one tribe, not just one race, Everything is turning now. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. The very definition, the only piece that matters or that has eternal significance is wrapped up right under the tree, still with your name on it. Church, I hope it's getting in there that, that you're included in this. See, and then Jesus shares this later on from his own mouth that this He's not just bringing peace, he is peace. Now, in speaking to his own disciples, uh, he was talking about the truth about the God ascending him down because of God the Father's love for them. He says in John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In me. 
Not with me, not eventually, not you'll just, you'll graduate up to the peace. In me and in me alone will be this peace and this true peace, this shalom. It's obtained, it's experienced, it's received, it's fulfilled in the Son of God, Jesus Christ alone. Church, don't go looking somewhere else. Don't go looking for this peace anywhere else because you're not going to find it. And there's a lot of things to be, that we could take a shot at, but it's not in religious practices. It's not in just the belief that everything leads to heaven. That peace isn't going to come from a yoga class. Unfortunately, that peace isn't even going to come with coffee. This peace is only in Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay, we've talked about all these things. Now let's talk about response. Before we, we're almost done. Before we look at our response, let's just briefly look at the shepherds and how they responded to all of this. Starting at verse 15. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what happened, which the Lord had made known to us. And they hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And after seeing them, they reported the message that they were told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. Hmm. I'm going to go to uh, another modern scholar the president of Wheaton College, Dr. Philip Riken, and his thoughts and his commentary on Luke, he says these things. They heard it. They believed it. They investigated it. And then when they were satisfied that it was true, they shared it and celebrated it. All in a matter of hours. Super complicated. They heard it, believed it, investigated, were satisfied, shared it and celebrated and these are all, uh, to keep this from being removed, this story, this, this uh, story that we hear in Sunday school all of our lives, that we teach to our kids, that originated with felt characters, it's not removed from our modern uh, reality of a Christian life that we hear about in big people church. Okay, The two become one because this is directly tied in with what the Christian life is supposed to be. And this is ahead of their time. These are the shepherds, the lowly, and in a matter of hours completing the Christian life, uh, essentially. We see in Romans 10, in terms of that they heard it, Paul writes, So faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. Number two, they believed it. We read in Romans 1.16, and again, for all you Lecrae fans, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew and also to the Greek. The shepherds heard it, they believed it. Then the next piece, they investigated it. Church, if you're wrestling with God, talk about it. If, you don't, if something in, your, in the scriptures doesn't match up with what you think, go after it. Research it, investigate it, dig. It's okay to do so. We're, we're commanded that, with that it's okay with spirits we can see if they're from God or not. Let's see if God is from God or not. Next, then they shared it. And they shared it again 30 years before it was a command. We read in Mark 16, 
Jesus said to them, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creations. And these shepherds, the low of the low, the lowest in the class, are way ahead of their time. And then as we've been emphasizing during the season of Advent, they celebrated it. Man, it says that they turned glorifying and praising God for all things. They couldn't just hold it in. Now, upon looking at the shepherd's response, I think now we can kind of formulate our response to this. How are we supposed to celebrate with this peace? But the, it's hard talking about how to apply this because the reality is, especially this time of year, not everybody is sparked with joy knowing that Christmas is coming. Not everyone is sparked with celebration or happiness or warm, fuzzy feelings. And the 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 struggle, the tension comes in that we're not supposed to just put on a brave face during Christmas time for the sake of everybody else. Scripture is not telling us that just, just be happy, just play along, and then in January deal with your issues. But we are still called to some type of a response. And I think we still also have very much room to celebrate even if this time of year represents something different for you. And we're going to depict this in, in taking uh, p- pieces put together. I'm calling, I'm not trademarking it, but that would be kind of cool. Uh, the, the tree of peace. And a tree, as we know, representing uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, is going to represent three things from the top down. And the first point, the first uh, peak of this tree that's, re- that, that's required and necessary to happen as we see through the story, There needs to be peace with you and God. That's what this is being brought down to. Jesus Christ was brought down, sent down, given by God the Father because of his love for you, because he wants to be axis mundi. He wants that heaven and earth to meet right where you are at right now. That that chasm, the the holes in the video, I like how they take the, the, the wall and there's all these holes and then God's peace comes and fills in all those gaps. That is the most important one and the one we definitely cannot fake. So if you've heard the good news and you haven't believed it, it's time, church. And here it is. If you could say all your life, oh, I really have just heard bits and pieces, I don't really know the gospel, here it is. So you have no excuse. God the Father sent his son, packaged him with your name on it, to live, die, and to rise from the grave so that you can live in peace with God. Bam! You've heard it. Very good. Now we're at the status of shepherd. Very good. Okay. So that's the first piece. The very top is it's, Jesus came to reconcile between him and you. Which seems kind of unfair because normally we're the ones that are doing things against God, but he came and, you know, all that. Peace between you and God is the first piece. And understanding that and having that peace with God is the first thing. Without, without this, nothing else is going to stand. The tree is just going to fall over. Now, the second point of the, of the tree is peace between you and your neighbor. Mm. In proclaiming the reality of peace coming into our world to the most unlikely of hearers in the most unlikely of places, destroying all of our different classes and preferences, we have nothing else to really bring to the table. What else can we use to oppose God's message to other people than the fact that he destroyed anything that you think would disqualify someone, he destroyed it. So what really is there in between us and other people or sharing this peace or being peaceful with others or sharing this gospel or nothing? 
There shouldn't be, shouldn't be anything. Some of us like to rebuild those walls. Mm. But the truth is we kind of need to stop treating other people like they're undeserving of something we're also undeserving of. Which can be difficult. Especially this time of year because this Christmas time is so weird because you would think, you know, people are in fact more open and we're talking through our Christmas comments that there's pieces of, of Christmas that, that speak of the gospel and Jesus the way we know it and, and people even unaware still use these things to celebrate Christmas and it's supposed to be a time full of joy, but it's also a time where people are just mean. Right? This can be difficult. Some of us have lost loved ones during this time. Some of us used to be at a different place of our lives during this time. Which may, we may feel needs to stop us from being joyful or peaceful with others. And during this time of year, people, people, people drive different. Right? People drive like there's nobody else out there. They see you and it doesn't matter. During this time of year, people also seem to be short-tempered and irritable. Right? I mean, go to Christmas tree shops. During this time of year, often we can be reminded of our broken and past hurts or, or messed up relationships. During this time of year, we can be reminded of people, again, that we have lost. And we may feel like we should be at a different place in our lives by now as the new year is coming closer. Maybe we look at this season and we recognize that we can't spend the same amount of money other people seem to be able to spend. Which breeds bitterness. But I think something that's, again, super cool that I'm just realizing this season is there's so much about our season that we can use as a reminder. You go to any shop, there's something, there's something, there's a star, there's a wreath, there's something green, there's something red, as we've been talking about. Even the colors can remind you of Jesus' blood and the fact that he saved you. Man, this means even at, the, even at the intersection where somebody just cut you off, you got a red light, you got a green light that reminds you, love them. That's, oh, I wish, I'd, I wish God hadn't revealed that to me. Um, you know, we, people give out candy canes. That's the same thing. The shepherd's crook, it looks like it reminds you of this story. The, the red stripe, the white stripe, it all can remind us. So the encouragement and the peace between you and your neighbor is just... Just take a second and look around. Nothing, nothing super deep and theological, just, oh, look, that's red, that's green. Bam. Ah, I got to love that guy. You know, that, that, it's practical. And the last piece of, of this tree is peace with yourself. We see a few times, you know, we see in Luke 2.12, this will be a sign for you. This child, Jesus God is for you. This peace is, in fact, intended for you. You being around, you're just, God's just not like, well, you, you're close enough, you heard, I guess I got to let you in. No, this peace is for you. The life that Jesus lived to be followed was also for you. Jesus is willing sacrifice on the cross, willingly having his blood beat out of him to cover your sins was for you. The reality is Jesus came to forgive you of your sins. Your sins have in fact been forgiven, presenting you with this true peace. Some, some, sometimes, maybe it's everybody, maybe it's just certain people, but I think maybe even different times of year bring it out where the lies start being louder than the truth. 
Maybe you're not like that guy. Maybe you're not like them. Maybe you don't have what they have. Maybe you don't have the experience that they have. I know, when, you know, growing up, you, you, you want to share your testimony. You get baptized in youth group. You're always sharing a testimony with everybody. And there's some people that have an amazing testimony that God just ripped them out from the pit of hell, radically transformed them, and now there's nothing that person can't do. And I'm like, I don't have that story. I grew up in church. My, my parents told me not to swear. I was, things were okay. Like, But we can't compare ourselves with other people because God, through these angels, to these shepherds, saying he's looking right at you and saying, here is this gift. And this peace between you and yourself. Pray. Pray. Ask God that his voice is louder than the other ones in your head. Ask him to remind you that you're actually included in this. He didn't think, oh, shoot, who who did I forget? Uh, No, 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 they'll be okay. No, no, no. Jesus coming in a manger, wrapped up, the tag has your name on it, Barry. Adam, tree, Malcolm. He wrote your name right down. And he sent Jesus to die for you. So completing this tree, our response is understanding we need to have a peace with God. We need to take this gift. It's there. It's under, but the gift is yours as long as you take it and receive it as the shepherds did. They heard it. They believed it. They checked it out. They saw it was good. They shared it with others and went away partying. In peace with others that whatever walls you built up, God tore down between other people and him as well. Peace with yourself that he had your name on the gift wrapped up. So church, take it. Dearly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the message of peace and the reality that your peace is the only peace. And you are the only place we can find this peace. Lord, would you first bring us to stop looking for you in other places? Stop looking for you in stuff. Stop looking in you in your peace and status. Stop looking in you in, 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 in having a, a bigger office. Stop looking for you in, in being more recognized in our community. Let us stop looking for peace anywhere else. Let us be united with you as you have wrapped a gift for us, Lord. Would, would you move us to, to, to share this peace with our neighbor as the shepherds did? That when we think about walls or prejudices or expectations that we have for other people to be deserving, that you would completely wipe it out and give us opportunity to share that peace. And Lord, would you bridge the gap between us and ourselves and our own mind and the lies that we hear and even the expectations we think that you put on us that you don't? Lord, would we walk out of here this morning wanting peace with you, wanting peace with others, wanting peace with ourselves? And walk away celebrating and glorifying your name and your name alone. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Thank you so much. Uh, I pray that uh, you're able to go out in peace this morning again. Before you leave, if you're able to wipe down your area, that would be greatly appreciated. But go in God's peace today. Amen? Amen. Amen.